I, if I had to pick one though, you know, just like that one thing, I would definitely say sales training is my, my passion. I've uh, even gone as far as like, uh, do you know the, the website Reddit? Like reddit.com, yeah, okay. Uh, there's, there's a couple places on there that you can go for like business advice and whatnot. And there's been a few times when I've contacted people who are like, man, you know, I've, I've been you know, struggling in, in sales and blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't think this is for me. And I'll direct message them and say, hey, you know, normally I, I, I cost, you know, $200 to book a, a, a coaching call with me, but I like your story and I think I can help you from the things I've read. Um, let's talk for free, you know, and they'll come up and, and we'll chat and we'll figure it out. And, you know, I'll write scripts with them and I'll talk to them and I'll figure out um, their pitch and what's where they're going right and what they're doing wrong and all that stuff. So that's really my, my main passion above all else is um, training people to be able to talk and and sell themselves and sell their brand and their product. Um, I think it's a very important thing that is severely lacking, especially in the digital marketing space, um, because a lot of people like that. They don't need to go on camera most of the time. But I think yeah. as we progress, we're going to be on camera more and more. Um, I think COVID has really just pushed that in, in terms of like selling things online. And uh, really, you've got to you got to get used to being in front of people and you got to have some sort of system in place to understand the general process on how to sell to people without coming off slimy and, and uh, for lack of better wording, car salesman-y, you know? Um, yeah. I think that's a very important imperative thing to, in today's day and age to, um, to really hone in on. Heroes are an inspiring group of people. Every one of them from the larger than life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen, the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell. From the doctor saving lives at your local hospital, to the war veteran down the street who risked his life for our freedom, to the police officers and the firefighters who risked their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling. But there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur, the creator, the producer. The ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what? I can fix that. I can help people. I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world. Others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks on the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence. So you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. Hello and welcome back to The Hero Show. My name is Richard Matthews and today I'm live on the line with Julio Chavez. Julio, are you there? Yes, sir. How are you? Awesome. Glad to have you here. So for uh, those who have been following along with the podcast and my wife and I's travels, we did finally get to move down to the Keys out of our six months of sitting pretty up in Kissimmee, uh, you know, for the whole COVID stuff. I know. How have you guys been doing with the, uh, with the crisis over there in Hawaii? Oh man, it's been uh, it's been one thing after another. You know, it's been locked down and then not locked down, and you're just going in circles. It feels like, but uh, yeah, you know, we're yeah. we're we're surviving. We're going through it, so can't yeah, can't argue I too much. Everyone is, everyone is. Yeah. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll all be better for it at the other end of this thing. But you know, that's, oh yeah, it is what it is. So what I want to do real quick is just run through your introduction for my audience who may not know who you are. So Julio uh, Chavez is a husband, father, and the executive at Copy Identity. Um, and before starting Copy Identity, you were a nationally ranked corporate sales manager, and you personally sold over a million dollars in products, which is a lot, um, managed millions more in inventory, and has built and trained teams to sell 10 times more. You love working side by side with entrepreneurs, coaching them through sales, copywriting, and funnel strategy. And you are the go-to sales strategist that helps put startups on the map. So Boom. with that, that brief little introduction, why don't we start off with 
what you're known for now, what copy identity is, uh, basically what, what your business is, who you serve, and what you do for them. Yeah, so copy identity um, is kind of twofold, really. Um, the first being uh, e-commerce. We, we noticed that there was a, a pretty big um, issue with Okay, so let me start this with, let me start this by saying this. So when it comes to marketing, a lot of the times it's coaches selling to coaches. And I totally understand that. It makes total sense. You know, you go from marketer to marketer, but we found that there was a kind of a disconnect between marketer to actual like e-commerce brand. And that's where we saw that there was a big struggle. And so we decided to kind of go closer to that route. Um, so for example, we usually work with handmade businesses, uh, whether that's jewelry, t-shirts, um, you know, crocheting, whatever it is, and get them started and um, implementing on like Etsy and Amazon and things of that nature and fixing their product descriptions, all that kind of stuff. Um, and that's sort of the, the e-commerce side of things. And then we have a secondary side of things, which we're actually just sort of uh, starting like very recently because we've been wanting to focus on the e-com side. Um, the other part of it is agency building. So going from solopreneur to like an agency master, like, you know, like actually having people that um, work for you and you can kind of play more of the managerial role. And uh, maybe even if you're, if you're, um, if one thing you love is sales, to so even go into the sales process and book people and all that, but then actually get the workload put to people that you've trained and trust. That way you can handle 10 different clients at a time as opposed to one client and then that taking, you know, two months to, to get through because maybe this was a kind of a, for lack of better wording, a, a pain in the ass client. And it, you know, it, it takes you two months to do it. You only made $2,000 from it versus you can have 10 to 15 clients with multiple people working for you, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So you're teaching other people how to build that style of agency. Correct. Yeah. So that, that's something that we're bare, we're, barely getting into as far as like actually pushing it out there. Uh, we've done it ourselves. We've helped people do it when, especially with uh, the e-com e side, we've helped people like start to curate stuff or find things that are already curated so they can sell it on their site and get uh, like tiny offers, you know, like little micro transactions of like, you know, $30, $40, whatever, but then, you know, be able to upsell a client up to a, a $2,000, you know, custom bracelet or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm actually in the process of, uh, of building an agency right now. We're, uh, we're, we're growing slowly. It's going pretty well. Uh, but awesome. we do a full-service podcast um, work where we actually do all of the uh, um, editing and transcription and graphics and publication and announcements and promotions and everything for, for businesses to help them actually build a whole content machine that's based sure. on, a, uh, on a podcast. So that, that agency is going and growing well. So. That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. I mean, no, it, it's, a, it's a lot of work. It's a lot more work than people uh, realize when it comes to not only general content strategy, but actually making this podcast thing a reality. Um, as I mentioned to you, you know, we just published our 50th episode and man, like initially I was like, oh yeah, this is simple. I grab a mic, it's whatever. But then when it came to like editing and trying to figure out like, where am I publishing this? And like, am I putting this on YouTube? Am I recording video or audio? You know, what does the graphics look like? Did the camera actually freaking work? Did the mic work? Did we test? Did we have questions? I mean, there was so much to it that I didn't even realize that it just, you know. So the first, for those of you, if you do happen to check out our podcast, um, the first few episodes are trash. Skip those because they're so bad. <laughs> but I start to get better, I promise. <laughs> Yeah, I know for uh, uh, my podcast, the, this one here, the Hero Show, it was uh, 
I got about eight. I got the first eight episodes recorded um, and in the bag, and then I managed to finish the editing and the transcriptions and the publishing and getting it out everywhere for three episodes before I realized I was going to starve in my business if I kept doing that. Because right. um, it was just, you know, for every hour of content you put together, it's eight to 10 hours of work for your business to make that happen. Right. Um, and that's not even including all the derivative content, the promotion, everything that needs to go into doing and doing mm-hmm. it well. Right. Um, and I was like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to kill myself if I keep doing this. So uh, it's sat on the line for several years until I was like, you know, I really like this message. I need to get it out. So we actually built the push button podcast agency to solve my business's podcast problem and content yeah. marketing problem. Um, and now we serve uh, several other businesses as well doing the same thing. Um, and that way they, you know, you can get into the content marketing game without becoming mm-hmm. a professional podcaster. You could just come in and do the part you like, which is, you know, <clears throat> the interviews or the recording of the expert content, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And actually, if you don't mind me asking you a question, um, I know we, we were kind of talking about a little bit when we were uh, just kind of barely getting everything turned on. Um, How did you come up with the idea of the hero part of it? The hero part of it? Yeah. So the hero part of the show was um, there's, there's, so there's two parts to that. The first part of the hero show um, was just a, um, this whole cultural like view we have in America, at least that entrepreneurs are villains. Mm. Right. It's, it's very, very common, right? You pick up any kids TV show that, you know, you, you said you have a son, if you watch pretty right. much any of his shows, the bad guy nine times out of 10 is that some entrepreneur, some business owner who is, you know, doing some variation of pouring oil on the ducks for profit, killing them all. Right. Yeah, uh, exactly. And, and, you know, so we have this mentality culturally that entrepreneurs, business owners are evil and mm. profits are evil and businesses are evil, right? Or they're villains. Right. Um, and so I, I want to have, I want to shift that culture a bit, that cultural thinking, because um, entrepreneurs like legitimately are like everything that you touch in your business, in your, in your life on a day-to-day basis was at some point handled by an entrepreneur. Right. right. And they are the ones that, you know, make the world go around. And so, you know, businesses and profits are neutral tools. Um, they can be used for good or evil. Mm, right. <laughs> um, and we're just trying to shift it. You know, you can be an entrepreneur and have a profitable business and be someone who's putting value into the world. Um, so that's the first part of it. And the second part of it is like the actual structure of the show is mm-hmm. going through and um, the way that we we accomplish that message, right, of getting, you know, that entrepreneurs are um, are heroes instead of villains is uh, we take we take your stories, right? So we'll go through your story here today. Um, and we are looking at it through the lens of a comic book superhero. So the, the comic book superhero model comes from uh, Marvel Comics. And yeah. they, have, they have the six points they always write for every character. Mm. Um, and those characters are the origin story, the superpower, the fatal flaw, the common enemy, um, the driving force, and the unique personality. Um, and sometimes you're guiding principles, right? So they get into the, like, the, they have those for every single one of their characters. Mm. And I just sort of figured if they could build a multi-billion dollar storytelling enterprise with those six common traits that we could build sure. a show around telling people stories through those six traits as well. That's awesome. I mean, I, I, I like that you use that and I think it's a powerful tool. Like I was looking through it and and I, you know, I'm always trying to come up with uh, questions for my guests, but looking through it, I was just like, wow, this is, this kind of covers everything that I actually care about knowing, you know, like as far as getting to know the person itself and, and not just like, Hey, can you give the audience uh, a tip or trick? And then like, let's go ahead and cut this off and say goodbye. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It definitely um, helps and, humanize. You know, 
we tend to uh, we tend to do a little bit longer episode, which I know isn't popular nowadays, but I really like to get in and actually hear someone's story and get to know them a little bit. So it's been a lot sure. of fun, and yeah. every guest we've had on has really loved the whole process. So anyways, I think it works out really well. Yeah, um, I, I like it. It's uh, This is usually about the same thing we do, about 45 minutes to an hour, depending on the guest. Uh, yeah. yeah, initially when I first started, I was thinking that I was going to be like Joe Rogan and do like a three, four hour podcast at a time, and that did not pan out very well. Yeah, that's that's hard to do. Um, so you know, unless you have a really good guest, so talking that long can be a can be difficult. Sure. So, <laughs> it can happen though. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So well, which which I think you know leads us right into the first part of this whole thing, which is your origin story, right? And so we sure. we say on the show all the time, every good comic book hero has an origin story. It's the thing that made them into the hero they are today. I'm going to basically hear that story. You were born a hero. Were you bit by a radioactive spider that made you want to get into writing copy for businesses? Um, or did you start in a job and eventually move to becoming an entrepreneur? Basically, I want to know how you how you got to where you are now. Sure. Um, well, so, man, my story starts in since I was a kid, really. My, my parents were, were entrepreneurs. Uh, my grandfather owned a grocery uh, store in Puerto Rico. Um, then they came over to Texas um, from there. They had little businesses here and there. You know, I've had uncles that have owned car dealerships. My mom uh, ended up buying a car dealership as well and, and, and owning that. When I was 17, I convinced her to open up a, um, to take out a small loan, which, you know, isn't all that small from where we're at. It, uh, it was a $10,000 loan to start a um, Puerto Rican uh, restaurant. And I just graduated high school. And in my mind, I was like, this is going to kill it. And it actually did work. And uh, so she took out the loan and we went to and got, you know, stoves and all that stuff and found some little small corner, you know, kind of rundown place. And we did the paint and got the, the, the menus published and all that stuff. And, and we actually did really well. We did it for about two years. And then uh, my mom, she, she was the main cook. Like I, you know, I could help her out. Like we'd get there at like, you know, five in the morning, or whatever, to get ready for breakfast and everything. And, um, but she was the one that really cooked everything, but then she ended up, um, getting arthritis and, uh, and then actually ended up breaking her wrist on, and I don't remember exactly what happened, but, um, so once that happened, it just became too much for basically me to just run because it was, it was largely like her, uh, my father would help as he could, uh, but he was also trying to work too. And so like, I was trying to do busboy, cashier, um, you know, server, cook, dishwasher, you know, and at 17, that wasn't, that didn't seem too, too bad for me because I just had that, you know, young teenage energy that just kept seem, you know, seemingly going. But after two years, it was even at 17, it was starting to run me down. And then we decided to sell it. Um, luckily for us, we made a profit the very first year. And so after that, everything else was um, just gravy. Um, but, you know, from there, I've just kind of always been into entrepreneurship, trying to, uh, whether it was through personal training and trying to do that. So we went to, ended up going to Texas. Um, I started looking for, for a job there and I, uh, I got into corporate sales management, um, started off as like delivery personnel and just kind of climbed up the corporate ladder. Um, and after about five years doing that, I, uh, we ended up moving over here to Hawaii because uh, as I told you before, my wife's active duty. So they said, hey, you know, we got a spot here in Hawaii for you if you want to go. Uh, at that point, my wife had to decide whether to stay in or not. Um, after many, many, many nights of conversation, we decided that um, retirement was probably a better overall goal for for us to reach for, as opposed to the whole corporate sales thing, which, you know, you just never quite know how that's going to pan out. If you're going to get 
hired, fired, let go, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And and honestly, it's helped. Uh, we made that we made a great choice, uh, unknowingly, of course, because of uh, COVID. You know, I'm able to do this a passion that I love and, and help people um, from at home while I'm able to help my son learn uh, and all that. My wife still does have to go to work and whatnot, but uh, you know, it, it definitely would have been a much harder thing to do, um, a near impossible task um, to have to, you know, travel to different stores and open and close and fly to different places in Arkansas or whatever to do, redo their inventory or sales trainings. And, you know, it would have been, it would have basically been impossible to do. And then do you add to the fact that I have uh, chronic asthma? So I might, you know, my health would have constantly been at risk um, because I just would have been flying around or traveling and meeting new people and shaking hands and, you know, talking to customers. And so it would have been just a giant cluster, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds, sounds like you have a, you have a, a very wild sort of path through the whole entrepreneur journey. I yeah. Would, yeah. Uh, um, I, I have one quick question, which is not yeah, entrepreneurial at all, or just cause I don't know what is Puerto Rican food. Like I have, I have lots of, you know, uh, what do you call them? Southern, Southern hemisphere sort of ideas, but I don't know what sure. would actually yeah, yeah. be Puerto Rican. Ooh. Uh, well, I mean, I can name off foods, but they won't, wouldn't really make any sense. Like we have our own version of like, um, uh, they're called pasteles and they're, they're, uh, they're kind of like, uh, Mexican version of tamales, you know, like, um, okay. like that yeah. kind of thing. Um, you know, we have our version of rice and beans and that's arroz con gandules and that's gandules are uh, chickpeas is what they're called. They're, okay. they're like okay. a bean. Yeah. Um, I mean, besides that, it's still a lot of pork and it's just different seasonings and it's, it's just a little like different. I need to find yeah. a Puerto Rican restaurant because man, I, I I'm sure they're Mexican food and Spanish food, whatnot. Yeah. I mean, it's delicious. It's great. You know, it's definitely a, a different type of taste. You know, Mexican food tends to have a little bit more cumin and spice and whatnot. Um, ours doesn't quite have that, but, uh, and then of course, you know, it has a lot of, um, you can get, you know, uh, octopus and shrimp and all that stuff and, and their own seasonings. And it's, it's really delicious. I definitely recommend you, you get some takeout, grab Grubhub or something. <laughs> oh, I'm sure there are a dime yeah. a dozen in Florida. Yeah. I go yeah, to every street corner. Gotta look. Yeah, uh, I, we exactly. saw a Cuban restaurant the other day, which I know is uh, not mm. the same, but I was, I had never right. been to one of those before either. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, sort of the, a similar, a similar taste, not obviously, yeah, not the same, but if you went, if you ended up trying that out, it might end up being pretty good. You know, just Yelp it yeah. and make sure it's actually a decent place. I don't want to <laughs> give you a bad uh, review. So uh, your your story sort of reminds me a little bit of mine. You grew mm -hmm. up with entrepreneurs as parents and family. I didn't. My family was all, uh, uh, we're all employees, but I got my first business start when I was 13. Mm. Um, and I, uh, I convinced my dad to give me a loan. Um, the loan was for 50 bucks. <laughs> Um, and a ride to the big box store. And I was buying, I bought a bunch of candy wholesale, um, wow. at whatever it was. And I went to this campus and, you know, like the, uh, the guy with the trench coat on New York, you know, showing people his wares. I had my backpack sure. full of candy that they couldn't buy at the, uh, the vending machines there. And I right. had like the big nerd ropes and the giant Snickers bars <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I managed to sell for about six weeks and made about a thousand bucks before I got shut down by, um, I had my first government shutdown is what I tell people. <laughs> yeah, the, the powers that be said I wasn't allowed to sell on camps without a business license and I was yeah. too young to have a business license. So, right. you know, I got shut down by the government at 13. Yeah, man, I, I had a, not, I know, I know we want to move on of course, but, uh, I had actually a very similar thing. Like, yes, my, my, my family has been entrepreneurs for uh, a lot of it, but you know, it's the, 
I've, we've certainly not been like successful entrepreneurs, I should say. Like we have, we're not, you know, having millions of dollars uh, to do anything with. Um, very low key, you know, we, we've tried, we had some, some, some years were more successful than others and we could actually like start looking at brochures for Corvettes and stuff. And other years, you know, they uh, made some, I guess my parents made some bad choices and things didn't really pan out and we had to, you know, go into an apartment type of thing. So like, you know, we, it was always a struggle, but I think that's a, a beautiful thing is this, the entrepreneur, the entrepreneurial spirit, they always tried, they always were always pushing to be their own boss and to make money and to make um, something for their children and for themselves. And I think that was uh, something that is a, a really po big positive. Um, but kind of adding to you, to what you were saying, I did sort of a very similar thing. Like I remember being in, in grade school and, you know, junior high-ish. And uh, this was like where, when you would like burn CDs, you would like get them from yeah, like, yeah. download songs from like Kazaa or Morpheus or whatever, you know, and like uh, Napster or whatever. And then you'd burn Lime CDs. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I would do all that and I would burn like the newest Eminem CD or something and then like sell it to some random kid for like 10 bucks, you know, which Eminem, I'm so super sorry. Please don't sue me. I was a child. Um, but, <laughs> and there weren't any, there weren't any pri uh, piracy laws back then. So you weren't actually breaking anything because they didn't, they didn't have laws for, for that stuff until later. There you go. M, talk to Richard. Don't talk to me. He's my lawyer now. Um, <laughs> No, uh, but you know, like I, I used to do that. There was another time when, now some of these aren't going to paint me in the best of lights, uh, but one of them, uh, I got in trouble at school for something. I can't remember exactly what it was. And I got sent to the, see the principal. So I said, okay. So I went to go see the principal and he wasn't there, but he had a big old bag of uh, pencils and the pencils had like our school logo and stuff on them. They were just meant to pass out. So I grabbed like handfuls of them and I put them in my, my backpack. And then later on that day, we went to the hospital um, or yeah, well, clinic, I should say, because my mom was getting allergy shots. And so like, as we were waiting, I was going up to people and say, Hey, would you, you know, be okay with buying this pencil for 50 cents to support my school? And they'd be like, Oh, sure, kid, you know, and I'd just pocket nice. that a little bit. Yeah. So um, <laughs> thievery everywhere. Huh? Yeah, there you go. So definitely didn't paint me oh, in the best man. of lights. But, you know, that I will pay back the uh... pencil. What is his name? Uh, Robert Kiyosaki, and in his uh, his book Rich Dad Poor Dad, him and his buddy mm. were uh, were minting um, nickels. They figured out how to make how to make plaster molds of nickels, and they were melting down little lead things and making <laughs> their own nickels. And they had to learn that you know that's actually called counterfeiting and is a felony. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. Oh. Yeah. At oh. that time, I thought I was being slick, but yeah, looking at it now, I'm like, what a little thief I was, you know. <laughs> you but, didn't oh, know, well. but the entrepreneurial spirit was there, right? You were, you right. were trying to figure out how to how to uh, how to provide value to other people. You get a pencil, I get fifty cents. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so my next question for you then is um, about your superpowers, right? So every mm. iconic hero has a superpower, whether that's a fancy flying suit made by genius intellect or the ability to call down thunder from the sky or super strength. In the real world, heroes have what I call a zone of genius, which is either a skill or a set of skills that you were born with or developed over time that energize all of your other skills, right? It's the common thread between everything that you do. Um, sure. And it's a superpower that sets you apart and allows you to help other people slay the villains in their life, right, right. in their own journeys. So with that sort of framing, what do you think your superpower is? Well, you know, you, you kind of touched on it, Richard, in the bio. Um, not to toot my own horn, but I think I'm a a pretty darn good uh, sales trainer. And uh, I, I like to look at things analytically. So I'm really great at, at building out funnels and seeing the holes in them and, and figuring out ways that we could 
um, try to optimize things. Now, um, I, if I had to pick one though, you know, just like that one thing, I would definitely say sales training is my, my passion. I've uh, even gone as far as like, uh, do you know the, the website Reddit? Like reddit.com. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's, there's a couple places on there that you can go for like business advice and whatnot. And there's been a few times when I've contacted people who are like, man, you know, I've, I've been, you know, struggling in, in sales and blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't think this is for me. And I'll direct message them and say, Hey, you know, normally I, I, I cost, you know, $200 to book a, a, a coaching call with me, but I like your story. And I think I can help you from the things I've read. Um, let's talk for free, you know, and they'll come up and, and we'll chat and we'll figure it out. And, you know, I'll write scripts with them and I'll talk to them and I'll figure out um, their pitch and what's where they're going right and what they're doing wrong and all that stuff. So that's really my, my main passion above all else is um, training people to be able to talk and, and sell themselves and sell their brand and their product. Um, I think it's a very important thing that is severely lacking, especially in the digital marketing space, um, because a lot of people like to, they don't need to go on camera most of the time. But I think yeah. as we progress, we're going to be on camera more and more. Um, I think COVID has really just pushed that in, in terms of like selling things online and uh, really, you gotta you gotta get used to being in front of people, and you gotta have some sort of system in place to understand the general process on how to sell to people without coming off slimy and and uh, for lack of better wording, car salesmany. You know, um, yeah. I think that's a very important imperative thing to, in today's day and age to um, to really hone in on. And sales sales is such a uh, an important skill too, right? Because it's mm. it's like literally everything you do in life has some sales component to it, whether you like it or not, whether that's, sure. uh, you know, getting the girl to say yes to the date or say yes to the marriage right. or say yes to having the babies, whatever it is, it's all <laughs> sales or convincing your sure. friends to go see the movie with you right. um, or picking the restaurant. It's all, it's all some form of sales in one way or another, mm -hmm. which is really, it's just another, it's, it's a scary word for persuasive conversation. Right. Yeah. That's actually, yeah. Someone, that's, exactly. Yeah. You're just trying to get someone else to take an action based on, on a conversation, whether mm -hmm. that conversation is over the phone or, you know, in the form of reading a letter or whatever, whatever it is, sales is, is, uh, it's, it's basically just taking someone you're in a, from a place of, you know, pain mm -hmm. to helping them fix that. Um, right. And, and I think if more people would sort of be less scared of the word sales and really mm -hmm. look at what you're actually doing. They wouldn't have, they wouldn't struggle with it as much. Oh yeah. And uh, you know, I, I see this. So it's so common with when it comes to sales and when it comes to copywriting and things where people just, they assume because they, you know, their, their mother said that they write well, that they must not need any training when it comes to copywriting or they um, you know, I don't know, they, they worked at a uh, auto zone and they go, man, you know, I can, I can sell ice to, you know, whatever, like, you know, like they, they think they're high and mighty, but I've had so many people that have come in saying like, I was this guy at this car dealership, or I was this guy at this sales facility and they come in and their sales are severely lacking. They, they have, they have one way to do it. And if you don't immediately buy from that one way, like they're done and they don't blame it on themselves. They don't try to, they don't try to actually train themselves up. They, instead blame it on the customer and say like, oh, well, you know, you're not going to get them all. And oh, you're, this is all, you know, the customer was obviously just terrible and they were just a bunch of looky-loos and they had no interest in actually buying and that shouldn't count and blah, 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 blah. Uh, but the truth is they just, they need more training, but they don't want to, you know, there was a little yeah. meme I saw on Instagram. Normally I don't like these little business motivational memes, 
Um, but this one I did enjoy and it said, uh, who wants change? And it had like a 10 people like raising their hands. And it was like, who wants to change? And like everybody had their hand down. They were all like upset, you know, and then you can see how they were like angry. Yeah, you know? And so it's sort of the same idea. So I definitely urge um, people to, even if it's not with me, just like start going through the sales training and figuring out how to talk to people in, in a way that is persuasive and in a way that allows you to um, connect with them in a more human level, because that's really the best way to do it. Not to just run up to people and say, do you want to buy this? If not, get out of my face, you know? Yeah. I, I remember um, I, a couple of years ago, it's longer than that now. It was probably six or seven years ago. I, I remember thinking to myself that I was like, sales was the thing I was lacking the most, mm-hmm. right? Not that I wasn't, I wasn't good at it, but I wasn't great at it. Sure. And I knew that I wanted to get great at it. So I ended up hiring a sales coach for a lot of money. Uh, yeah. It was like a year long thing. It was like, I think it was like $12,000 for monthly coaching for a year. Um, and we got on every, you know, a couple of times a month, every month or every week uh, or every other <laughs> week for the whole year. And it was probably some of the best money I've ever spent um, yeah. because it really helped me uh, hone that skill. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of it was, um, you know, you learn the tactics and the strategies and those kind of things really early on. Most of it was just him forcing me to practice. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Get really comfortable with it. Um, so it's, it's becomes, it's become something that's just second nature. Right. Yeah. And now, you know, you get into sales situations or sales conversations and, no pressure, very easy. You can go through the whole thing and people, they get to the end of them, they're asking you to buy instead of the other way around. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. They already have their credit card in hand. They're just, they're ready to hand it over to you. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a much, much better way to, uh, to handle things. But it's interesting because right, like I've, I've been on the other side of that for a whole number of years. So it's sometimes it's like difficult to remember, like not everyone is there yet. Right. You have to go through that process and learn those things and actually get good at sales. Right. It's not something that you're just born with. Right. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there's a certain charisma that you certainly can harness. And I think that's where a lot of people just immediately go, well, no, I'm, I'm definitely an amazing salesperson and I don't need any training, but um, I mean, you, you got to understand the over, how to overcome objections. You got to understand how to talk to them. You got to understand, you know, what they're truly saying past like, Oh, it's too expensive. Like what, what did you not cover in terms of value? What did you not listen to? What, you know, like there's so many things that you really need to, um, to do to make yourself go from good to great. You know, and I think that's where yeah, it really yeah. boils down to because natural, it's like, it's like a um, uh, natural athletic ability. You can have a natural ability to run fast, but without actually learning the plays, you're not going to be a Heisman Trophy football, you know, uh, a winner. Uh, you're not going to be a champion. You're not going to be a, a UFC fighter by never stepping into the gym just yeah. because you're like, you know, no, bro, I bench a lot. You know, like it's not going to work out for you. <laughs> that's, that's very true. Uh, and, and it's, it's, it's just, it's just one of those things that like wherever you are in your business, sales training will make your business better. Oh um, yeah. So it's uh, it's definitely a, a useful thing. So my next question for you is, uh, about your fatal flaw here. So the fatal flaw is, uh, you know, just like every Superman has his kryptonite or every, uh, Wonder Woman can't remove her bracelets of victory without going mad. You probably have a flaw that's helped you back in your business, something you struggled with. Um, for me, it was a couple of things like perfectionism that kept me mm. from uh, shipping, uh, shipping product, shipping service, like because I was always wanting to tweak them, or lack of self-care, which means I let my clients walk all over me early in my career. Right. Um, or you know, being a visionary but not having the discipline to actually implement and get things done. 
Uh, but I think more important than the flaw is how have you worked to rectify it? Um, so the people who are listening might be able to learn a little bit from your experience there. Yeah. Well, uh, honestly, the only flaw I have is that I care too much. No, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> no, um, that can actually be a big flaw. No, yeah, it, it definitely can be. You know, if you, if you um, always care about the client, um, like every process to it, it can slow you down. Like you got to be a little objective or if every little tiny uh, criticism that a client may have to you, you take as a, as a uh, slap in the face and you're just like, this is terrible. I'm, I, you, you either go two routes, you either go angry and suddenly you're a jerk to them and that's really hurting you or you get depressed and you don't believe in yourself or your skill yeah. set, and that really and, hurts you as well, you know? Or if you, if you care only about them and you don't care about yourself, you get walked all over. True, exactly. Um, so mine is actually, you know, I mean, you've named off three things that I say, like, I would say that at different points of the business, you know, I've certainly struggled with as well. I think right now my biggest struggle is um, organization. And what I mean by that is like, I can manage people, but I hate managing tasks. Like the actual... I, this was a, something I've been struggling with for years where it comes to like actually writing down what I need to do, when I need to do it, what I need to publish, when I need to publish it. I just can't seem to, um, I don't know. I just, it's that thing that I just hate doing. I just, to me, it's like a total waste of time. I'm just like, I know I need to fill in the blank, right? Like a post to Instagram today. So, but instead of writing it down and scheduling it out and figuring out exactly what I want to post, I'm like, I have a general idea what I'm going to talk about this week. I don't need to worry about it. And it always comes back and bites me in the ass. And it's always, it's always something that I really should do better. It's something I really should do better in, but um, it's a constant struggle for sure. You know, it is my version of kryptonite. It is like the moment you tell me to, you know, here's an organization notebook, you know, like at the closer it gets, the weaker I get. Shut down for you. Yeah. I'm just like, until I'm, it's like right on me and I'm just like on top of it, like dying. It's, it's terrible. <laughs> oh man. So I, I totally feel you there because I'm the same <clears> way. Um, and like, I've tried all sorts of things from like to-do list managers to other things and I just can't do any of them. Um, yeah. so I've decided the best way to handle that is to have a, have my staff handle that for me. Um, and mm. they're like, here's all the things that need to get done. And then I like, right. I just build the systems behind the scenes. Yeah. Like here's all the things that need to happen. And then they get all the, uh, you know, they are like, here's, here's what you're doing. I like, actually, my, uh, my, my primary, um, chief of staff, like I actually, I'll tell him like, Hey, this thing bothered me about it till it's done. Yeah. <laughs> so, Cause like those things he's good at. Right. And I'm right. not. So. Yeah. It, it's, uh, the, what I've found works for me is I get a little highlighter or not a highlighter, a little dry erase marker and I have a white, uh, glass top desk. And so as things come up in my mind, whether it's a, a an idea to talk about in an email, an idea for a video, a podcast episode, whatever it is, I'll just write it. And so like my desk uh, normally has like a hundred different little, you know, dry erase uh, markings where I like have this little idea here, I'll put that there. And, and then eventually I'll end up getting to a day where I don't really have anything to do, you know, like it's a really light day and I'll go ahead and start to organize it and be like, Oh, you know what? I don't like that idea anymore. You know, that sort of thing. So this has actually helped yeah. me a lot just to be able to write down quick little that's, notes. That's actually something I found quite interesting is that writing something down and then letting it simmer for a while, a lot of times lets you get over the honeymoon period of like, I had this cool idea and it's the greatest idea ever. Um, mm -hmm. And then you like, let it sit for a little while and you come back to it and you're like, I must've been high when I wrote that down. because That's <laughs> the worst idea I've ever come up with. Yeah. Yeah. It happens for sure. Definitely. Uh, yeah.
So that's a, I find that useful. I, uh, I'm, I I have the same kind of thing going. Um, like I, I have a hard time falling asleep at night, um, mm. or I used to until I started getting some of the health stuff figured out. Um, and one of the things I used to do is uh, I would I kept my phone by my bed, and every time I had an idea pop in my head, because that's sort of what I would struggle with. I got my brain's going a thousand miles an hour at bedtime. Right. Um, and I just write a bunch of things down, and then once they were out of my head, I could you know turn it off and go to sleep because it's like right. I didn't have to like worry about remembering them and that was what sure. would keep me awake uh, so yeah. i put them all over there and then i realized that like the more i do that the more it's like most of those things are just terrible ideas i just need to get them out yeah exactly <laughs> like you just need to express them, them. So i can sleep oh for <laughs> so, sure i, I hear you while, I there's do. a gym in there <laughs> oh good good so my uh my next question for you then is your common enemy Right, and this um, is is generally is put in terms or in the context of your clients. But every every superhero has an arch nemesis, right? It's a thing that they constantly have to fight against in their world. Um, in the world of business, it takes on many forms. But generally speaking, um, it's a mindset or a flaw your clients have that you're constantly mm. having to fight to overcome, right? The one that you're banging your head against the wall, and if you had a magic sure. wand, you could pop them on the head as soon as they hired you and not have to deal with that. What is that? What is that common enemy in your business? You know, uh, I think I would say that it has to be like fire hosing information. Like it, it's, that's one thing I, I tend to really struggle with. Um, and it was, that was one thing I actually thought about when you were talking about the fatal flaw where I was like, well, cause I kind of, like I said, I looked over your, your general structure and I was like, I get that. But I think as far as like a common theme is fire hosing information, it's giving too much um, and not being, not allowing people to digest it and let it breathe, you know, like, like it needs to, uh, sometimes I'll say it's like wine, you know, like you don't want to just chug the whole thing. You want to take a glass and sip it and let it breathe and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's sort of the same idea as like a lot of times, whether it's myself and I still struggle with this, you know, sometimes, um, or other entrepreneurs that I'm working with, they, you know, you want to tell everybody everything you want to tell them, Hey, you know, whatever, let's say go to my webinar and I'll teach you blank. Well, instead of just giving them two or three steps on and wins that they can commit to, they end up telling the, you know, the person, the entire system. And then they're like, so, you know, now buy the other half of, you know, the system, whatever, again, whatever it is. And the problem is that it's so much information and these people don't even know you that, and you're trying to fit it all in, in this like little 45 minute window that nobody actually takes the step towards building it you know, it, it, you're, it's, it's actually a problem to give too much value. Like there's a, there's a sweet spot, you know, it's sort of like um, going on maybe like a date or something where you're talking to people, you want to have a back and forth. You want the conversation to flow freely. And, and, you know, if you need to sit in silence for a second or two and sip your coffee, it's okay. As opposed to just staring at them and just rattling off facts after fact, after fact, after fact about yourself. And then at the end being like, so what do you think you want to go on date number two? Like, you know, it's just like, no, you, I don't even know you. Like that's so much. I can't even comprehend what, you know, or grasp uh, if I like you as a person, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's a, it's an interesting thing. You might actually, uh, it reminds me, I have, I have a, a webinar framework. I call the cell framework that actually mm. walks through how to do, how to do sales webinars. I've sure. done millions of dollars of sales in them. And um, one of the things that is uh, most what do you call it? Like the most of the things we have to do a lot is figure out how to have a system. But what I was saying is the, uh, with, 
with the uh, the cell framework with uh, with selling like with webinars, for instance, one of the things that I talk about all the time is like you have whatever is your teaching, right? Your whole system of things, right? Maybe it's a five step process to accomplish. I don't know, keeping your kids out when you're having a podcast, right? uh, and and you you on your webinar you pick one piece of that process mm. that you can teach and teach deeply on um, that they can walk away with a win, right? Um, and then the rest of the process is the thing that you can sell, right? Mm. So they can walk away with something they've learned. And it's a, you know, it's, um, it's not like a, uh, well, you know, we'll teach you the what and the why, but not the how it's like, Hey, we're going to pick one aspect of our system and actually just teach you the whole thing. So they can walk away from your webinar, whether or not they ever buy anything from you with a huge positive deposit in the, uh, you know, the goodwill bank. Um, mm. right? yeah, that's a good and, way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, and so everyone who attends, because the overwhelming majority of people who attend any webinar, watch any sales letter, or sales video, or read through any sales letter won't buy, right? Unless you are a magic, you know, sales god and get fifty-five percent, you know, fifty-one percent conversion rates, which is sure. unheard of. Yeah. Most people won't buy from you. So the idea that um, we try to teach is how can you sell in such a way that provides value to everyone, including those who don't buy, um, yeah. and still leaves the people who are going to buy, you know. Uh, ready and willing and desiring to continue with the transaction to even actually go forward. Right. Um, yeah. So anyways, I, all that to say is I completely agree, right? There's, there's a lot of uh, the whole over, over sharing and over selling and overdoing right. things. And yeah. It's just a matter of like, what's, what's the one thing that you can share that's really going to help someone. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, moves the needle for, for everyone involved. The hero show will be right back. Hey there, fellow podcaster. Having a weekly audio and video show on all the major online networks that builds your brand, creates fame, and drives sales for your business doesn't have to be hard. I know it feels that way because you've tried managing your show internally and realize how resource intensive it can be. You felt the pain of pouring eight to 10 hours of work into just getting one hour of content published and promoted all over the place. You see the drain on your resources, but you do it anyways because you know how powerful it is. Heck, you've probably even tried some of those automated solutions and ended up with stuff that makes your brand look cheesy and cheap. That's not helping grow your business. Don't give up though. The struggle ends now. Introducing Push Button Podcasts, a done-for-you service that will help you get your show out every single week without you lifting a finger after you've pushed that stop record button. We handle everything else, uploading, editing, transcribing, writing, research, graphics, publication, and promotion, all done by real humans who know, understand, and care about your brand almost as much as you do. Empowered by our own proprietary technology, our team will let you get back to doing what you love while we handle the rest. Check us out at pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero for 10% off the lifetime of your service with us and see the power of having an audio and video podcast growing and driving micro celebrity status and business in your niche without you having to lift more than a finger to push that stop record button. Again, that's pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero. See you there. And now back to the hero show. So I know we had to take a break between our our uh, beginning of our episode recording and this one because we had some technical glitches and other things going on last time. But anyways, we're back and we're going to start here talking a little bit about your personal heroes. Um, so we say on the show all the time, every hero has their mentors. You know, Frodo had Gandalf, Luke had Obi-Wan, Robert Kiyosaki had his rich dad, Spider-Man even had his Uncle Ben. So with that sort of framing, who were some of your, your heroes? Were they real-life mentors, speakers or authors, maybe peers who were a couple of years ahead of you? And how important were they to what you've accomplished so far building up copy identity? You know, Richard, um, man, it's it's kind of funny we, we talk about this because 
I have that I have so many heroes really. And if you really, I want to break it out into two different ways. Uh, the, the primary one is um, how I was able to even create the business, which is really more about the hard work and perseverance and the want to be successful and succeed. And in that capacity, I think it, it boils down to my father. Um, I, I, funny enough, I'm not going to go into a super long story, but I have two dads, but it's not that way. It's uh, I have like an adopted dad, basically, and like a biological father. Um, both, I don't have like a very crazy adoption story in terms of like, um, you know, I was just left at a firefighter's doorstep or something. And now I hate my biological parents or anything like that. It's nothing like that at all. However, um, to cut it, make it kind of short, my biological father um, and both my adoptive father um, were incredibly hard workers. They did everything they possibly could to give me a better life. And I've taken that into um, my own mentality. You know, my, my biological father being an immigrant from um, Mexico, he's, you know, done everything from picking strawberries in fields to now for the last 15, 20 years, he's been working construction. And even now getting into his 60s, he's still out there, rain, sleet, snow, building houses and working on them and things like that. And, and it's really pushed me to strive to be a better father and to really do more for the company and understand like on the days that I feel like, man, I'm just so tired. I have to like, I get to talk to my dad and be like, Hey, what are you up to? And he's like, Oh, you know, replacing the roof on the house. And he's like 60 and it's 120 degrees outside or it's negative 30 yeah. degrees, you know? And I'm just like, okay, let me go back up and type, you know, <laughs> like, I guess I should, uh, continue on. But if we're talking like um, mentors from a business standpoint, um, from like a mindset, general mindset, I, I do enjoy people like um, Brendan Bucard, uh, Tony Robbins, people like that, um, really trying to push the envelope in terms of like, just keep pushing forward. Um, now you, you also have people like Russell Brunson, who really brought me into the marketing world, uh, as far as just like, the idea that you could build some, some giant platform. Um, cause initially I worked, as I mentioned previously, uh, you know, corporate America. So it was very different going from that to a true blue entrepreneurship where it's like make it or break it, Facebook ads, lead generation, you know, actually trying to figure out what the, what the heck a funnel is and building that out and how are people going to interact with me and email campaigns and so many things. Right. Um, but I think the long and short of it would probably be that cause I don't want to bore everybody to death. Um, but I would say my founding hero was uh, were people like Tony Robbins, Russell Brunson. Um, and I, I think it's just a continuation of that as far as like who I initially came in contact with that pushed me um, to this sort of level. Yeah, that's really awesome. And I, you know, one of the reasons I ask that question all the time is just because it it's always fascinates me how similar the answers are for people. There's always, mm -hmm. there's always like a parental fig figure in someone's life and there's always, um, you know, the, uh, the, the people who you probably wouldn't expect, like they wouldn't even know that you would call them and consider them a hero, right. uh, but they are right. And like, everyone has those stories. They have the people in their lives that have made an impact on them. Yeah. Uh, and it just fascinates me to see how common of a thread that is in people who are mm. successful is they have people who were turning around and giving, giving part of themselves to you. Uh, sure. Yeah. So. I think it's, it goes past monetary because I know a lot of people uh, dismiss people who go, who, and I think I've been, uh, I've done that to some extent too, sometimes where 
you know, oh, daddy gave him a million dollars or, you know, like the, he had a, a rich father. Like, what do we, you know, he had a leg up. But I think, and yes, I came from slightly different background because, you know, uh, my family didn't necessarily have a lot. Um, but I think regardless, it's about hard work and perseverance and continuing forward and really pushing the envelope. Um, regardless of your starting point, it's kind of more of a, uh, it's a, such a long-term race that it's like, it's, it's kind of how you finish. Maybe some of us had to run an extra mile or two, but overall, you know, to get to that finish line in and of itself is still an accomplishment, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I, I agree, right? You have, you have a lot of uh, work that goes into, uh, uh, into actually doing it, right? Even if you start on slightly different points, um, but it is, it is amazing to me how much, uh, you know, just a little bit of a, uh, uh, how much, well, it's like giving, like you get a leg to stand, a leg to stand up on. You stand on the shoulders of giants. From like, you know, mm. I, my my dad gave me a, a a good starting place in my life sure. that he didn't have. Right. Right. So, you know, you'll you'll do the same thing for your kids. And it's, oh yeah, hundred percent. Those people in your life, they give you they give you a better starting point than they have. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. Allows us to to push the envelope and make make the world a better place. Yeah, hundred percent. So. One of the uh, one of the things that makes heroes heroic is that they live by a code. Uh, for instance, mm -hmm. Batman never kills his enemies; he only ever brings them into Arkham Asylum. So, as we wrap up the interview, I want to talk about the top one or two principles that you use regularly in your life. Maybe something you wish you had known when you first started out as an entrepreneur. Oof. Um, well, I think the, one of the primary ones is that um, you can build a business without necessarily having to be famous. Uh, I think a lot of people, including myself, have have tried to go on Instagram and stuff and, and assume that the people with 10,000, 20,000, you know, a million followers, A, that they're successful, that they're obviously millionaires and all this other thing, which isn't always the case. Um, and B, that you absolutely positively need some sort of, uh, to play the numbers game in order to have any level of success. And I think it is important to get yourself out there. Obviously, it is important to have build brand awareness. And in turn, through that, you will gain followership. However, um, I think the idea is a little bit, um, it's a little convoluted when you think that you have to start off there first, and then you can make money. I think initially, you've got to get past that and start thinking, this is a business. I need to start you know, generating leads. I need to start making sales. I need to figure out Facebook ads. I need to figure out SEO and more organic growth tools like collaborations and things like that versus just let me buy, a, you know, a thousand followers or let me do some sort of giveaway that's going to, you know, have a dramatic increase in my followership, but none of them actually engage with me, care about me, care about my brand. Um, so it, it's, it's a bit of a give and take. And I think that's something that I would definitely talking to myself, you know, I'd, I'd say, Hey, you know, you need to focus on building your customer base and providing value more so than, um, yeah. just, you know, shaking your butt on Instagram and being like, ha ha ha, follow me. If that makes sense. It's, it's the, uh, the focus on the fundamentals, right? Depending on the mm -hmm. business you're in, the social following may not even be relevant to your business. Like it probably is for right. like someone like you or me. Um, and, you know, a lot of e-com brands like that, but like I had, I had a friend of mine whose father was in the uh, business of, um, he laid tile for underwater features for hotels. Mm. 
right interesting so yeah. like you know if you go to bellagio and like they have the thing all the tile is on the bottom like he did that it was like right. it was his company and like he's the only guy in the country that does it is his company right he's like a bajillionaire right because like <laughs> if you need underwater tile for what but nobody knows his name and you couldn't find him if you looked for him but if you were right. in that space doing that thing right his social media accounts don't mean a damn thing to his business yeah exactly right? so it's you got to focus on the fundamentals is you you have to have a unique service or offering that you know fills a need for a market mm -hmm. um and then deliver that like deliver that value and the uh the rest of the stuff can come later yeah i mean i totally agree i can't tell you the amount of people who i've i've coached that have told me very similar things like hey i created this meme page on in on instagram i have you know, 25,000 followers that I gained over the last two months, for example, how do I monetize that? And I'm just like, well, you know, I have to look at engagement rates and things like that. And, and a lot of the times the answer is, unfortunately, like you're starting, you created this meme page, which is great. And people follow it because you, you know, put up, I don't know, whatever, random fighting videos or, or funny videos of people getting, you know, hitting the nuts while drinking beer or something, you know, like it's, it, it's humorous, fine, but when it comes to actually selling a physical product that those numbers don't always add up. It may, you know, you may, it's sort of, to some extent, sometimes it's a little bit of a waste. Um, yeah. But yeah, as you were saying, you know, it, it really depends on the, the, the uh, business itself. Yeah. The space you're in and you know, you have to start with a good business, not, not start with a, an audience. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's a good, that's a really yeah. good point. Yeah. I like that. I'm gonna quote it one day. I'll tag you in it. <laughs> awesome. So, that's basically a, a wrap on our interview, um, but I do finish off every interview with something like um, a simple challenge. I call it the hero's challenge. And it's a simple okay. question that really, it's selfish for me because um, it helps me get access to stories I might not otherwise find <laughs> on my own. <laughs> so basically the question is this, do you have someone in your life or in your network that you think has a cool entrepreneurial story? First names are fine. Why do you think they should come on our show and share their story? Um, and you know, first person that comes to mind. Hmm. Man, that's such a good question. There's a gentleman by the name of, um, oh man, I can't believe I'm gonna, I forgot his last name. He's gonna kill me. Um, his name, his first name is Sebastian. Uh, if you look at my Instagram, I'm actually promoting him this week because uh, I did an episode with him, a podcast episode. He's the founder of Podmatch, which is like the Tinder version of podcast uh, guest collaborations. It's really, it's actually a really great site. Oh, He's cool. building it. It's still sort of a beta thing. So it's not, doesn't have quite all the bells and whistles yet, but it is, it's, I have, I can already see the evolution behind it. And we talked extensively about that and, and mindset and, and growing a business. And if you haven't heard about him yet, and I'll, I'll, um, gosh, I, I wish I remembered his last name. It's like Filipino or something along those lines, Sam. Anyways, I'll send you a, a contact email, but, um, He's awesome, amazing. I think he's a great guy. I think he, he has a ton of energy. He's a great interview. Um, and he just has a really great story behind how he started it, why he started it, how it progressed into that from blogging and how he met his wife. And there's just so much. Um, he just he has such a great vibe that I think your audience is going to really enjoy it and get some really good information about general, you know, uh, start how to start the business and following your passion and following your dreams and not giving up. So I, that's definitely somebody I would uh, recommend. And if you don't mind, I'll just take, um, I don't know, maybe two seconds real quick. And I'll just Get his last name. grab his <laughs> last name real Yeah, because I just, I hate that I am 
going on and on and on about them. And then I'll, uh, suddenly I can't even remember. Uh, okay. It's Alex San Filippi, Filippo, Filippo. I can't pronounce his last name. I'm sorry, but it's that's, Alex that's A-L. It. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, Alex A-L-E-X and then uh, S-A-N-F-I-L-I-P-P-O. And again, he's the uh, um, gentleman that owns Podmatch and a bunch of different things. But yeah, definitely love that guy. I would 100% recommend giving him a, a shout out and, and seeing if he'd come on the episode, on the show. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. We'll reach out uh, afterwards if we can get, yeah. get him on the show. Um, so, it, you know, in comic books, there's always a crowd of people at the end of the, uh, you know, the, the, the book that have, you know, standing there cheering for the acts of heroism. <laughs> sure. um, so as we close, our analogous for that is, uh, you know, we want to know where people can find you if they want your help in the future. Where can they light up the bat signal, so to speak, and say, hey, <laughs> I would like to get your help with our copy. Um, and I think sure. more importantly than where they can go to do that is who are the right types of people to light up the bat signal and ask for your help? Yeah, uh, well, so primarily we work with um, small businesses and e-commerce brands. Um, we are starting the the route as far as like creating a course that talks about creating an agency and whatnot, but uh, primarily it is e-com. Um, if you wanted to check us out, one of the best ways to do that is to actually go to our Facebook group. That's where we're most active on. Um, and that's copy identity. You can search us on literally any like social site, Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, and you will find us. So, you know, if, um, uh, definitely look us up there, but again, the Facebook group itself is, is really imperative to, cause we have free classes and we do live podcast shows and, you know, give giveaways and, and checklists and templates and all sorts of things. Um, and then as far as like, uh, who, if we can help you, if you go to copyidentity.com, um, we have different ways for, we have different services. Um, primarily it is coaching where we uh, write copy with you side by side. We like to tag it as like our experience, but with your voice, um, because we felt like we, we've done the copywriting thing um, and it can be a really fantastic experience. And then it can be kind of difficult because sometimes it is hard to um, get that person's voice through. And so we found that it is significantly easier and better for both parties to do a sort of side-by-side -side collaboration where they are able to kind of use their own words, but we can walk them through structures and help them with typos and, and headlines and, and have different creative ideas. Um, and again, that's www.copyidentity.com um, if you want to learn more about that. Awesome. Thank you so much for, uh, for coming on today and the other time we did an interview uh, so we can, <laughs> uh, we can mash these up. It's been sure. uh, excellent hearing from you and getting to hear your story. Um, so before we, uh, if you're, if you're in that space, if you're in the e-com mm -hmm. space, definitely take the time to reach out to copy identity. Um, and I know personally copywriting, you know, in our e-com business, the moment you get the copyrights, when your sales start going up. So right. exactly. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a good thing. Definitely take the time to work on it, um, and reach out to copy identity, maybe check out their Facebook groups. Um, and thank you so much for coming on today, Julio. Really appreciate it. Um, uh, you have any final words of wisdom before I hit this, uh, stop record button? No, man, I just wanted to say thank you so much. I really appreciate um, your time. I hope to have you on our podcast as well. And uh, yeah, just uh, send me over anything you'd like and I'll be happy to promote it. And um, I can't wait to uh, talk to you again and to hear from uh, some of the members of your audience. Awesome, thank you so much for coming on today. Really appreciate of it. Of course, yeah, no problem. Thank you, bye-bye.